of life that siblings squabble Look at Liam and Noel or Kane and Abel Well we ain't got a bandana, don't wanna kill you But we'll sit and chat and argue about cinema reviews Who is right, is it me or him? Well you were always mother's favourite Are you still singing that hymn? Prepare for a battering, it's time for the squabblings Hello and welcome back to Squabblings, the sibling podcast where me, Charlotte, and me, Tom, talk about the biggest blockbusters in both film and TV. How are we doing, Tom? I'm doing pretty fantastic. Yeah, we've got lots to talk about today. This uh, episode actually comes in from special request from one of our fans, Thomas. Oh yeah? Yes. I don't read the fan mail. Which one is that? So, this was a special request from friend of the podcast, Graham Parrish. Oh, right. Yes. I didn't know he was a Marvel nerd. He is such a big Marvel nerd. Oh, right. <laughs> oh, okay. Immediately, when we were discussing uh, this podcast, one of his first comments was, oh, you should do Infinity War or Marvel or, or, or Endgame or something like that. So, uh, I've just revealed it there. So, the, the films that we are looking at today, this is another double bill, two double bills in a row. Aren't we fucking lucky? <laughs> so the double bill films that we are going to be looking at today are, of course, Avengers Infinity War and Inv- Avengers Endgame. I fucked mm. that up <laughs> saying that. I think you did admirably, actually. Do you want to have a go, Tom? Yeah. Yeah. What? Try saying try saying okay. it without fucking up. Okay. So the food <laughs> instantly fucked it up. So the two oh, it's films. One take, Tommy. Oh, Thomas has this on-running joke that he calls himself One Take Thomas, meaning he he can hey, just nail something in here. one. It's One Take Tommy here. Oh, it's One One Take Tommy. I don't need to rehearse. I'm but, One but, Take Tommy. But One Take Tommy is my music alter ego. It's not my <laughs> my radio voice alter ego. Right, oh my right. God, One Take Tommy. You see that guitar lick? It was fucking amazing. <laughs> Go One Take Tommy. Try and say the names. Go on, go, go for it, go on. So go today on the podcast, we have bloody Infinity War and Endgame. God damn it, I did one take. One take, Tommy strikes again. <laughs> yes, I'm looking forward to this one. Marvel is the juggernaut of cinema, I think. Really, really is, isn't it? At the moment, especially. It's, it's, it seems to have uh, pretty much coined the cinematic experience of the last 10 years, at least. Um, this is the, the great phenomenon with Marvel. Even their like mediocre films bring in massive amounts of money in the, in yeah. the box office. And I think they're riding on the, set, the success of a few of their films, I think, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, they, 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 um... Although, to be fair, the Marvel films that are bad by Marvel standards are probably like okay films. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, a bad Marvel film is an okay film, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, but you, you know, there's that old kind of that old kind of uh, phrase that's thrown around the internet. You know, that Marvel is the modern day Greek mythology. Have you heard that before? I have heard of it. I just think it's really fucking stupid, to be honest. Do you? Why? Yeah, because those myths and legends, like the Norse stuff, they they actually semi believed them. And they thought, like, it might have been possible to meet them one day if they, you know, stumbled out into the countryside. I mean, elements of Marvel are obviously drawn from real life, I guess. No, but the fact is, it's not like um, oral prose handed down from generation to generation. We know 
like but two that, fucking would, dudes would, came up with these ideas in the 50s. I would kind of disagree with you there because things like the super, Superman, I know I'm going into DC here, but Superman and Batman, they have gone through different iterations um, through, through for each generation. So they kind of are passed down in yeah. the sense that the Greek myths would have been passed down. And, you know, I think it is a little bit, uh, to, a, a bit weak to say that like the Greeks would have thought that they would run into the, the Greek heroes on that. I think well, they did. Because well, you sort of, like, but you, also some of the heroes were meant to be kind of archetypes of what they believed as a society they should believe in, if you know what I mean. They were meant to be like... No, I know that. I know that the stories, stories. Were, were archetypal, you know, how um, a lot of Hans Christian Andersen fairy tales um, are to teach children certain things, basically, yeah, in you that know, time. The, the, moral, know. the moral of the Little Mermaid is don't sell your soul for a vagina and a man you don't know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> basically, it's the 18th century version of keep them legs closed. <laughs> yeah, but um, in terms of the Greek stuff, it's di- it's different to the Marvel stuff because the Greeks actually believed. I know there are archetypal stories about Greek heroes, but some of the Greeks believed, didn't they? If they went on Mount Olympus, they might meet the gods. And that some of them, I think, weren't some of them not allowed to step on Mount Olympus? I, I don't know exactly. I, I thought it was prohibited. Maybe, may, I think, yes, I think it was. To certain certain echelons of society, yeah. it was forbidden. But I don't know. I think if you would have asked a, an, an average Greek person in, in the streets of Athens in 400 BC, would, would they have believed that these people were real and tangible and, like, were walking the earth probably not they probably did kind of view them in the same way that we view peter parker there is a peter parker archetype in every prepubescent schoolboy. you know there is a uh, a loki who is kind of like this this mischievous yeah, we trickster, entity don't we? yeah trickster yeah, yeah. Um, we all know a smart ass like peter parker <laughs> and, and we all know a uh, a quarterback hunk who's who's got like a little bit less brains than everyone like Thor. And we all know kind of like an eccentric philanthropist like Tony Stark. Like these are archetypes that have been passed down. They're like, uh, you know, I'm thinking like Tony Stark. He's very kind of Odysseus, isn't he? Almost. Um, you're going to have to convince me of the parallels here. Go on. <laughs> well, Odysseus famously is kind of one of those first Greek heroes that uses his wit more than his brawn to oh, outwit yeah. things. And his gifts are bestowed upon him by uh, Athena. And uh, he essentially has to struggle back home from the, 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 the Trojan War and use his wit and cunning to get back home. But Odysseus kind of smacks of that Tony Stark... Um, cockiness in the same way that, 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 that Iron Man does. Hmm, that's a good comparison, actually. I quite like that. Okay, Tom, so shall we get to it? Let's get to it. Okay, so Avengers Infinity War and Endgame are a 2018-19 American superhero film based on the Marvel Comics superhero team, The Avengers. Well, if you didn't know that, where the fuck have you been living? In a cave with Tony Stark from the first Iron Man, probably. I love it how you just insult people as you go along in your reading. I think if you are between the ages of 35 and 20, like 20 to 35, and you haven't seen a Marvel film because they've been going since about 2008 now, haven't they? Yeah. 
in full force Where since about the then. Where the fuck yeah. have you been living? Really, it's, it's, it is kind of a, a unifying mm. global experience, isn't it? Everybody has probably seen a Marvel film. Yeah, you may not even like them, but you probably will have been dragged along to one by yeah, someone, yeah. <laughs> by someone who does like them. So it's impossible not to see these films. I think Avengers was produced by Marvel Studios and distributed by Walt Disney Studios motion pictures the mouse will eventually own everything <laughs> yeah the mouse owns your soul <laughs> i was actually quite um optimistic about the mouse's merger with marvel you know it, their content has become better since that happened it's a business deal that makes sense doesn't it yeah i mean as much as the marvel films are fun the comedy is sort of very disney-esque it, yeah it's, yeah it's bland it doesn't take. It's funny, but it doesn't take risks. That's for sure. Yes. yes. Yeah. So it's it fits Disney very well, I think. So who are some of our top build for these films? Well, hold your horses. Because oh. firstly, <laughs> it was directed by Anthony and Joe Russo and written by Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely, and it features an ensemble cast including. Robert Downey Jr., Chris Evans, Mark Garuffa Ruffa Ruffalo. <laughs> Chris, Mark, Mark Garuffa Ruffa Ruffalo. Mark Garuffa Ruffa Ruffa yes, Ruffalo. Yes, yeah. Chris Hemsworth, Scarlett Johansson, Jeremy Renner, Don Cheadle, Paul Rudd, Brie Larson, Karen Gillan, Daniel Jira, Benedict Wong, John Favreau, Bradley Cooper, Gwyneth Paltrow, oh, she's the worst, and Josh Brolin. <laughs> And in these films, the members of the Avengers and their allies attempt to stop the unlovable force of arch-villain Thanos. I think in his I quest. mistyped that. I was meant to. I think I was meant to type unstoppable. Yeah, <laughs> the unstoppable. Force. It's kind. It's kind of odd that I'm reading a synopsis because if you click on it, you've probably seen it. And if even if like you don't care about the podcast, like you've probably fucking seen it anyway. These films, <laughs> they were impossible to miss. <laughs> They were indeed. They were indeed. Uh, it's it. They are cultural phenomenons. These films, as we said before, like Marvel has defined cinema for the past fi- ten to fifteen years, and Endgame was the is is now currently the highest grossing film ever of all time. Isn't of it? all yeah. time, yeah. yeah. Well, it used to be, didn't it used to be Avatar for quite a long time? It used to be Avatar. Uh, Endgame knocked James Cameron off the top build films of all time. No, I don't so, think that's what happened. Well, I think held... Infinity War knocked James Cameron off. Oh, possibly, And yes, then Endgame yes, knocked yes, Infinity yes. War off. Yeah. <laughs> well, James Cameron held, of course, the title with Titanic for the longest time. And yeah. then he, he topped himself with um, Avatar. Yep. And yes, and then Marvel has uh, since snagged that top spot. So the, these films are part of f- film history, mm. and film critics tend to not, and the Academy tend not to like Marvel films or give awards to Marvel films because yeah. they almost seem to have a phobia of awarding things to popular films. As much as I love them, and as much as everyone loves them, I feel like it's. What, what the Academy is about is about film as an art form. Like I said before, the Marvel films, they're great, but they don't take a lot of risks, do they? Yes, but if you look at um, a collection of films for one particular year, for instance, there is nothing to say that um, a, 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 an actor in a Marvel film deserved best supporting as opposed to some other person who was just happened to be in a film that got released at the Sundance Festival. Yeah. You know, just because it's popular just because it's popular uh, film and tv doesn't necessarily mean it's it's not worthy of 
giving credit to and giving praise to. Oh, no, yeah, it's the classic elitist, douchey artist thing that because it's popular, I don't like it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Black Panther was one of the Marvel films that kind of broke that mould a little bit and that won a couple of awards at at the Oscars. But I don't, I can't to memory recall another Marvel film that has received a similar status award they always tend to get you know like best special effects or best um kind of costumes or something like that but never really put never they're never really put in the category for best film or best lead actor or best supporting actor I i don't know actually we'd have to do some research on that but to my memory they haven't no one's ever won a best actor from a marvel film have they no no i don't think so even though thinking about it there's nothing hammy or bad about the acting performances in the Marvel films. I think they're all pretty good. No, even the ones that are meant to be kind of hammy on purpose, like Thor and Loki, <laughs> they are kind of, they're, they're they ser- hit the mark yeah. fantastically. They're, they're great. serving the genre in a sense that they're sort of like Shakespeare in the park characters. Indeed, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, should we start comparing some notes? Let's compare those motherfucking notes. <laughs> we will start So I have uh, started off by commenting that this this is this is such a complex universe. Mar- Marvel now has created such a complex universe. It's mm. almost kind of on the Game of Thrones level yeah. of complexity of backstories and families and factions, etc. Yeah, and. You know, like if you have been living under that rock that you aforementioned, yeah, and this is the first Marvel film you've ever seen, you won't know what the fuck's going on, will you? No, because I have seen every Marvel film at least three to four times each. No, at, at really? Least, yeah, and when I was watching Endgame, they expect you to know the whole history. But yeah, they do expect you to know the whole back catalogue, and even I, I didn't consider myself to be a great Marvel. Uh, you know, somebody who's very in-depthly knowledgeable about the Marvel um, films, and sometimes stuff in in Endgame or Infinity War would catch me off guard, and I would be thinking, "Oh, who was he again? And who was that again?" Yeah, there's so much of it that there's bound to be a grey area in people's knowledge. Like for me, when they made references to things that happen in, say, Civil War and the Winter Soldier, yeah. or happened in Thor: Dark World. That's my grey area. I'm just like, oh, oh god, what, yeah, but what that the fuck film happened? Was rubbish, wasn't it? I can't really remember. Thor: The Dark World is probably the worst rated of the Marvel films, but it's incredibly crucial because it's where an Infinity Stone pops up. Yeah, it, it's um, definitely crucial in the timeline, but not in in the critical success of the franchise. Yeah, Marvel are so confident as a studio that the audience knows backwards and forwards the complexities of this universe yeah. that, that they haven't really tried to make a standalone film and you'd think for like one of the biggest 
blockbuster films ever that yeah. it would be a good standalone film for a relative newbie to come to they, they have quite a lot of standalone um tv series which are set in the mcu but they don't interact with with the film characters like have you seen jessica jones yes i was just thinking of that actually that that would be a good kind of standalone series or um legion did you see legion yeah and that was a, very good as well i think there was a daredevil one as well wasn't and there? and the daredevil the new daredevil adaptation not mm. the awful the awful absolutely film. fucking dreadful um <laughs> ben affleck one yes I, yeah. I was trying to remember who, i was trying to picture in my head who it was it is ben affleck yeah isn't oh, it? what's that guy and john coffee from um yes oh the green mile is uh, kingpin in it michael clark duncan that's him yes. yeah yeah. But but anyway, yeah. But as I've said, as we said before, like un- unless you have been living under a rock for yeah. the past fifteen years, you know what Marvel is. You know what the superhero films are. You can at least identify a good five or six yeah. of the characters on screen. And just going back to the back catalogue for a moment, a good point about it is it's so expansive now and extensive that what everyone often forgets, and probably Marvel are keen to push this, they're keen to forget about it, is that the MCU started with the 2008 Incredible Hulk film with Ed Norton. Yes, they hate having to acknowledge that, don't they? That steaming fucking turd (laughs) of a film. Yeah. It's terrible. It's It's really bad. Really bad. And they reference it a lot. Well, they do, but... um, Well, they allude allude to it. They allude to it, yeah. But um, the only reference I kind of remember is when Mark Ruffalo says, the last time I was in New York, I kind of broke Harlem. And also the general character in it, who's Liv Tyler's dad, does come back in a lot of the MCU stuff. Yes, he does. Yes. Liv Tyler was never to be seen from again, wasn't she? <laughs> no, I, I thought even if they recast Mark Ruffalo, what's wrong with having Liv Tyler come back as his love interest? I like, know. Yeah. Instead of trying to force that very, very forced romance between I, him and I Natasha. Have, I have big issue with his romance with Scarlett Johansson. I think we were discussing this, didn't we? As one yeah, of the yeah. the in um, in Avengers romances, it should really have just been Captain America and Scarlett Johansson. Yes, it's evident would. in Endgame that they have the most chemistry. They yes, spend the most absolutely. time together. Yeah, completely agree. I mean, in many ways, Mark Ruffalo is sexless, isn't he? I mean, to push any kind of romance between him and and, and a female character, I think, would have fallen a bit flat. And yeah, there is like tangible chemistry between her and uh, Captain America, yeah. especially in the, the fallout after the snap. Yeah, you, you do they're probably pushed bit. closer together well, because there the are thing. fewer Avengers. Th- uh, they, they, their characters, Black Widow and Captain America, have spent way more time together than than Black Widow and the Hulk yeah. ever did. Because they spent all of their exile years after Civil War together, like Avengers time together, and they were left to pick up the pieces post snap together. And in a, a Captain America, the Winter Soldier, they basically had the, the entirety of the Winter Soldier together. Yes, yeah, they do as well. Yeah, you are right. But anyway, that's that's kind of um, that's kind of fan fiction fodder, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it's just one. It's just one little gripe about the film that it it was just a bad, bad shoehorned romance. Like it was to me, 
Scarlett Johansson, uh, you know, Black Widow is basically the Hulk's handler. That's <laughs> apart from <laughs> having the daily ac- interaction on the team together. That's sort of the interaction they have that she's his handler to stop him being yeah. the green meanie. Yeah, you know, yeah. the green meanie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, going back to this kind of the complex world building of this of this film, mm. I, I was just going to chip in and say I I did kind of feel a little bit jaded that I had to like rewatch a good three or four films to get what was happening in this film if you know what i mean uh kind of but i know it's a little bit of hard work but you know it's an ongoing series if somebody had said oh i feel a bit shit that i need to watch all five harry potters to get harry potter number six You'd have said, "Well, put the legwork in. It's an ongoing series. Like what you're doing." I guess. I guess. Yeah. I guess it's a franchise. Yes. Um, Yeah. So I don't actually mind that too much. And they are enjoyable films to watch as well. But the thing is, a good film, even if it is part of a series, should kind of be able to stand alone as an enjoyable watch. If Mm -hmm. if you haven't seen anything prior to that, really, shouldn't it? Yeah. And I think where um, these two films prop themselves up with that a little bit is that not 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 necessarily that they were standalone films plot wise but they were visual spectacles and visual spectacles always been a big thing for marvel because that i think looking back on their cgi record even as way back as 2008 Mm -hmm. their cgi still looks pretty good yeah, they have been kind of pioneers in the the S, uh, the sound uh, SFX and visual effects and but I it's, it's harder to watch these films on a smaller screen, I think. Like be- because these films are meant to be great IMAX spectaculars. Yeah. I do feel that the impact of a lot of these films was taken away when it's shown on the small screen. Oh. Well, I do enjoy them a lot in a cinema, but I do also enjoy them just watching them at home. I feel like because they're such easygoing films in nature, like you don't need to be a member of Mensa to follow a a Marvel <laughs> film. They're, they're good if you just want to put something on in the background. I mean, they're kids' films, aren't they? Es- essentially. I mean, that's, that's why the sale to Disney made so much sense. It's because at their core, they are kind of designed to appeal to tweens and children, aren't they? Y- yes, but they've got things in them that adults do really enjoy. I know I said the comedy in them is kind of bland and safe, but it is multi-layered in a way that it, the adults will enjoy it as well, I think. Yeah, and I think that in it, that is kind of the great appeal of Marvel, is that you can't really tell what the target audience is, because originally the franchise would have started out comic book form yeah. and comic books inherently appeal more to children than to adults yeah. but in saying that the adults would have grown up with those comic books and they're yeah. now older and then they've had these cinematic releases i mean i think thinking back to when endgame first came out i had children in year seven who had gone to the to the to the um the midnight viewings really and then who bullied me with spoilers <laughs> For yeah, having to reveal spoilers to me. I think something's gone too far when... I, I, <laughs> I'm one of these people that doesn't mind a cheeky spoiler, even if it's something that I'm really interested in seeing. I get really douchey about, say, if like um, people ask me, oh, is a series good? And I say, yeah, it's good because of X. And I maybe reveal something and they go, oh, don't, don't, don't tell me any spoilers. I kind of feel that the spoiler thing's got a bit out of hand as well. It's because fucking stupid. I mean, spo- spoilers have never been a massive problem for me because it's never really been necessarily about the spoiler. It's been like, how does that get there? Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's, it's, it's always been about the journey as I opposed really to the destination. I don't really care if it's spoiled for me because the, watching a film or a piece of media to me is about more 
than just knowing what happens in it. It's about appreciating the acting and the music and the cinematography yeah. and, and all the other things that go with it whilst you're actually watching it. But I actually feel loathed, like you were saying, you're try- we're trying to categorise these films. And I know they're very spacey and stuff, but as a, a hardcore sort of sci-fi book reader and film viewer, I th- I'd be loathed actually to call these films sci-fi. Then yes, they're not sci-fi, are they? They are almost a genre in and of themselves, aren't yeah, they? I mean, like the, Marvel uh, films, yeah, superhero a film, superhero film is now its own kind of separate genre, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so something I want to talk about then is the build-up of the villain of Thanos. Yeah. Yeah, okay. (laughs) I wrote down here in my notes, Game of Thrones, take note. This is how you build up a villain over time and use him properly. (laughs) I know, yeah. Is he first... Thanos, I think, he first appeared at the end of Avengers, didn't he? Yes, he's in the... He's in a post-credits scene. He's in the post-credits scene of Avengers Assemble, isn't he? And it's a different guy and he's a different shade of purple. He's a more red, crimson shade of purple. (laughs) I'll do the nerds go crazy about that. Yeah, there's a really funny um, Honest Trailers review of the Avengers... And it gets to the end with the end credit scene and it's like every nerd's going to have an orgasm trying to figure out who this purple douchebag is. (laughs) 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 This purple douchebag. Thanos is a very compelling villain. I really like him as a villain because he's not your kind of typical uh, screaming, screeching, uh, gratuitously violent villain. He's very softly spoken. He's very gentle. I understand that cosmically... He's the big cheese. Yes. Like, the threats don't really get much bigger than that. Yeah, but you can totally get that he's like the head honcho of the whole universe. Yeah. yeah. And I get, I feel like, what's his name? What's Is it Josh... Uh, Josh Brolin? Josh Brolin, he, who played Thanos. He gave a good performance. And I like the character of Thanos for the threat he represents. Mm-hmm. But I just thought... As a villain, he was a little bit so-so. Oh, really? Yeah. I think he's, like, the best villain that Marvel have ever he's, produced. Yeah, he's definitely the best Marvel villain. I think so, yeah. Th- Thanos. But I, I th- think Loki had more character than Thanos as a villain. Well, that's because Loki is witty and charismatic and charming. Yeah. Thanos is a different uh, kettle of fish altogether. I think Thanos is, like, up there with the best villains in canonical history ever like he's up there with Voldemort and Captain Hook yeah and um I'm trying to think Hannibal Lecter you know but the thing is the only what was great about Loki even though he's all those things you just said he was like he's conniving and scheming and eccentric and charming whenever Loki tried to pull the villain card I felt threatened by Loki did you the only way I feel because it's like he's unhinged he could like just kill you for the the pleasure of it in a marvellously torturous way. With <laughs> Thanos, the only reason I feel threatened by Fa- Thanos is the threat of physical violence because he's such a tank, basically. That's the only <laughs> way I really feel he's that threatening. Um, but that is part of his threat, especially when you see these huge, great fight scenes. And, and an Avenger like Thor, who is a god, cannot even puncture him. That is frightening. I know, yeah, but what is lacking for me with Thanos is that he's, because he's going on this sort of world-to-world hopping um, Holocaust expedition, he obviously has a massive army and has a massive following of people behind him. And it's not really explained, you know... Where that comes from. It takes an extraordinary individual to rally any number of people like that behind oneself. Mm -hmm. 
And a little more detail about Thanos as a leader and his backstory would have been appreciated, I think. Yeah, I, I get that. I take that note. Um, but I thought ultimately the menace of Thanos came from uh, th- that he can't be reasoned with. And this horrific plan that he has in place for the whole universe is based somewhat in truth and accuracy and that is ultimately what is so scary about Thanos is that he is horrifically awful and wrong but he is also kind of a little bit right yeah you'd probably be um it would probably be almost entirely correct to assume there might be the odd few but I'd say almost entirely correct to assume that the point Thanos is trying to get across is to some extent life is almost like a disease to the universe isn't it we we are the virus Tom Uh, yeah (laughs) to put it in a nutshell basically that's what it is and I feel like most people at least even for a split second might have at least considered you know the validity of his view yeah even if they didn't agree with his method Mm -hmm. his method of I'm just gonna kill everyone they might have accepted at least somewhat the validity of his view that life can't go unchecked almost well because it would have been very easy to make Thanos this um very uncompromising villain of of, i'm gonna turn up and i want to destroy the earth just because these one of these (laughs) scary things about Thanos is is that he has a point isn't it yes with with his thing yeah and and ultimately as well he's got that those ties to his daughters gamora and blue one the blue one what's her nebula. name nebula nebula thank you <laughs> <laughs> i could remember karen gillen Green but and I blue ones, yeah. the blue meanie yeah <laughs> <laughs> do you know who thanos is actually this thought came into my head go on she is purple hench greta thunberg <laughs> <laughs> just gets to the end scene and he's like how dare you how dare you how dare you earth yeah <laughs> Thunder and smash it, Mr. 
So, uh, kind of moving on then to some of the... So, um, obviously, uh, Thanos is a very good, compelling character. Yeah. But, again, the strength of Marvel is that there are... Uh, a, a star-studded cast of other just as relatable, fleshed-out, other brilliant characters. That's true, but I feel like because of the weight of the Marvel films, a lot of these characters they weren't star-studded before, but the Marvel films have made them made stars household of them. names. Yeah, because like, what had Chris Evans done before Captain America? He'd basically uh... been the, he was the Human <laughs> Torch in the in oh, uh, yes, of course, yeah, the in the Fantastic Four, Fantastic Four film ever made. <laughs> yeah. The second worst. Oh, actually, no, that's like the third worst because the Silver Surfer was bad, but then the yes. remake one was really bad. Yeah. I mean, uh, just take, for example, Robert Downey Jr., who was salvaging his career after his uh, prison stint. But he done some good stuff, though. Yeah, yeah he, yes, he was. Yeah, he was He was on the road to recovery, but what really cemented his, um, his, his status as an A-lister who has like kind of fully found himself was Iron Man. Yeah, it was Tony Stark, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. And and Tony Stark might be my favourite ever Marvel character. Full stop. As an all-round sort of individual that serves a story well, I think he's kind of got everything, hasn't he? Yeah, he's got he's got a good heart. He's witty. He's charming you know he's funny to listen to he's a good leader fan of the show who recommended this podcast for us uh mr mr graham parish will hate me for saying this but i really don't like captain america because he's just so black and white and i think he's a little bit dull he is sort of uncompromising with his moral compass isn't he he never he never seems to think well to some degree, my morality, to be honest, is objective. Yeah, uh, he, he's the symbol of America, and it's yeah. the American way. And, yeah. th- and that's uh, that's why I like Tony Stark because he is ver- varying shades of grey. Yeah, but I think what's great about Captain America is he is kind of almost like Tony Stark's, kind of like his angel on his shoulder, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. And just just thinking of some of these the other the other people that have had their careers made from Marvel, Chris Hemsworth, for instance. Yeah. And uh, Tom Tom Hiddleston, in part, owes his career to mm, Marvel. Mm, um, Mark Ruffalo, I don't I haven't really seen much of him in other films. Yeah, uh, the only exception is probably Scarlett Johansson, as who, who was an established actress actor before. Marvel. And Natalie Portman's done a considerable number and of Natalie other things. And Natalie Portman, yeah. 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 Um, but Marvel, in in many senses, is kind of like the American Harry Potter <laughs> in that everybody will probably in it at some at some point. Yeah, you know, like Harry Potter was sort of all the British RSC thespians will be in it at some point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you've been to the RSC, you will probably wind up in a Harry Potter or a Star Trek at some point. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, top five Marvel films of all time. Go. So my top five. You know, I kind of like the ones where it's groups of superheroes all together so oh do you like the crossover my personal <laughs> favorite one is probably the avengers uh, the first one avengers assemble um and News, then uh, yes assembles yes excuse me yes. and then maybe guardians of the galaxy that first one was hilarious i, could, yes, I couldn't yeah, stop yeah, laughing yeah. when i watched it yeah and then as a more recent one i thought thor ragnarok was fucking hilarious as well <laughs> i kind of like the comedy element to them yeah but then i quite like because i'm a bit of a norse uh myth weirdo i quite liked the first thor i like the first thor as well do you know that first thor film was directed by uh king of the lovies ken branner oh yeah he's definitely king of the lovies and that that's why he's hired all of these rsc actors like tom hiddleston and idris elba yeah yeah (laughs) 
it's fucking Sad. it's fucking hilarious that when I when I found that out, I couldn't believe it. Um, but then you can see it in the direction, can't you? You definitely can. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Anthony Hopkins, I think, is Odin. That's genius. That that is yes, yeah, spot on, brilliant casting. Yeah. Just just an example of one of many spot on spot on castings. castings. I think that's one thing Marvel does really well. They're really good at their casting. They're, they're very, their very casting good at directors casting. are hot shit. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, because. <laughs> Like you were saying about Robert Downey Jr., he doesn't even need to try. He just is Tony he is. Stark. Yeah, I, I, uh, I cannot even imagine anybody else playing Iron Man. No, there's nobody I could imagine fitting that role. You like know who him. very nearly got Captain America? Mm. He got f- through to like I think the last four. Yeah, was um, Jim from The Office, John Krasinski. Oh, I see that. Yeah, yeah because you know he's tall and he's kind of buff. Like he could, he could have easily like. And he's the American like sweetheart next yeah, exactly. door. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a charming American sweetheart. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I think they did really well with the casting for with Chris Evans. Let me just finish my top five Marvel films. I. So you had Avengers Assemble. Yeah, you had Avengers Thor Assemble. Ragnarok. Thor Ragnarok. You had Thor. Thor, and then probably Iron Man one, the one that started it all off really, okay. where they started to get seriously, seriously good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to say any of the Spider-Mans because I actually don't really like Tom Holland that much. I know. Oh, no, not Tom Holland. My baby Tom Holland. Everyone <laughs> fucking loves him. I just don't I get him. it. He is what Peter Parker is meant to be. He's oh, meant to be. You say this, that, but you've this... never read a comic and everyone says, like, oh, he's, he's, he's the perfect <laughs> Peter Parker. But half the people who say that have never read a fucking Spider-Man right, comic in exactly their life. I know exactly what you're going to say. And don't you dare say that you still miss Tobey Maguire. <laughs> I do fucking miss Tobey Maguire. <laughs> because you know, you know what? Spider-Man, yeah, he's a cocky douchebag sort of teenager, but he's meant to be like a genius underneath that. Tom Holland, he, he doesn't stand out to me as somebody. He, get, he gets who has an internship an at Stark common... Core. No, Tom, Tom Holland sounds like an adolescent douche who has like an <laughs> IQ of about ninety. You take that back. This incident. <laughs> he is a sweet little cinnamon roll. Oh my god, he so des- is not. Who deserves a hug and 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 to feed? That's what I can agree that he's adorable. But Spider Man isn't meant to be adorable. He's meant to be sassy and charming. I I would disagree. I think he's meant to be naive and you see, I don't like think... the, the kid brother of the Avengers. No. No, he's not. Uh, Toby Maguire. No, you are wrong. Toby Maguire did have his flaws. He wasn't sassy or charming. He was kind of playing it as like a young a young man as well. But he still kind of had a grown up side to him. Whereas Tom Holland, he's a juvenile. So Spider Man's not on there for me, to be honest. Um, right, no Spider Man films. I think so the later one on, place left. One place left. I think the later on the Marvel films get, they get better. Maybe one of the Captain Americas. I really like Captain America one. It's a good film. Um, okay, okay. Oh, oh no! Actually, Thor Ragnarok has to be on there. No, you said oh, Thor Ragnarok. Okay. You know, I. <laughs> You've got the short-term memory of a goldfish. Oh my god! Yeah, I just can't believe it. All right. Well, let, I, I've done my top four. There, we'll just have to settle for that. What are your top five? <laughs> so I would also have Thor Ragnarok. I yeah. thought the comedy was excellent, and I love Taika Waititi. Yeah, Korg uh, is like one of my favorite characters of all time now. Piss off, ghost. <laughs> Piss off, space ghost. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's fucking this is Meek oh, he's no. a bug oh ours. Meek's dead I stomped yeah. on him on the bridge oh no Meek's alive yay Meek yeah. 
He's, he's Sing- so many quotable lines. Single single handedly rescued that that whole franchise and yeah. is one of the best living directors in in the modern age. I think. Yeah, he's so, really yeah. come out of left field, doesn't he? Thor Ragnarok would be one. I really liked the Doctor Strange film. Actually, that might be in my top five. I thought it was a bit hit and miss, to be honest. Oh really? And the critics agreed with with me, which is a strange thing. It <laughs> ranked it ranked quite low on the on the um on the Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, on um, the ratings scale. actually. So I've got I've got I've got Thor Ragnarok, uh, Doctor Strange. Uh, I would definitely have to put Black Panther in there. As a top one. Yeah. Yeah, actually, Black Panther was quite good, wasn't it? Yeah, very. And good. I think that worked as a standalone one as well. A lot of yes. them don't really work as a standalone, but Black Panther did. Yeah, that's that's interesting. If you think about like what film would you show somebody who has never seen a superhero film before, I would probably start with Black Panther. Really? I mean, come on. <laughs> Maybe. Um, I liked uh, Civil War, event, uh, Captain America Civil War. That might yeah. be in my top five. Mm, yeah. Um, you know, Ant-Man was funny as well, actually, now that I think about it. That could be uh, my fifth. Ant-Man's the really forgettable one for me. Oh, I don't think so. I think it was good mm. because I, I like the comedy in that as well. See, I like the um, the Mexican guy in it who works with Scott. I think he's really you funny. You just have a crush on Michael Douglas. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Douglas is a beautiful man, even though he's like 70 now. He's still, he still is, pretty yeah. hot, isn't he? <laughs> you know what I mean, actually? If I, if I was like Scott, I'd be like, you know, I don't mind getting the beans from Hank Pym all the time because he's just so cool. Getting the beans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, oh, I've got one more spot, haven't I? Mm. Uh, then I would probably put it in, yeah, probably Iron Man, the first Iron Man film. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That That is one that holds up, especially with that, like, the just just how aware it is of itself as a film, like like blasting Iron Man for the credits scene. and Yeah. <laughs> What we were discussing about the franchises, it's so massive now that they have to be self-aware about the pop culture references they make. They do. Uh, some of that will age well, some of that won't. Now, I bet you can, you know both instances that I'm referring to with this. Well, what I was thinking was they referenced some films, and this happened in Infinity War and Endgame, as pop culture, and they've had actors from those films in their Marvel <laughs> yeah, they films. Have, yeah. Like, they referenced The Big Lebowski, and yeah. Jeff Bridges was in Iron Man. Yeah. <laughs> They also reference um, uh, The Wizard of Oz. Yeah. They reference uh, Back to the Future. Yeah. But the, yeah, no, so, yeah, so some of these references will age well, some not so much. And you know what? I don't think will like, age well. Yeah, this, these are the things that I'm thinking Hulk of. Hulk out where he dabs. Yeah, you know, where, like, Hulk, Hulk dabbing. Yeah, Hulk dabbing. That's <laughs> yeah. a bad one. And then what do you think the other one is? I'm stumped, actually. I thought that was the worst one for me. That That is probably the worst pop culture reference that will age poorly. We will have to explain to our grandchildren what the what fuck the Hulk just was. did yeah. in that scene. I think the other one for me that will age poorly is Fortnite. Oh, you mean when Thor and Korg, they're all like, hey, Thor, that dickhead kid is back. Yeah, but that <laughs> but that reference might be saved by Korg. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Thor, that dickhead called me, a, called me a bitch again. But yeah, you can sort of maybe imagine, oh, it's just any game where they're playing online content. Yeah, I guess it could be interchangeable with like Call of Duty. Or yeah, yeah, exactly. Whatever. Yeah. So as we said before, the comedy in these films, I thought could be a little bit hit and miss. But it's all right in 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 these two films. There were yeah. some good, genuine, laughable, laughable moments. Yeah. Um. Like so. So like for instance, I don't even know the name of this sub villain. I just know him as Squidward. 
Squid. Yeah, I know exactly <laughs> who you mean yeah. when you say the, the Squid Man. Um, it's the one who kind of f- floats and has telekinesis in his yeah. Thanos' right hand man. Yeah, yeah. And gets blown out an airlock. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of another line that that tickled me. Oh, when 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 uh, Spider Man gets a new suit, he goes, "Mr. Stark, it smells like a new car in here." Oh, you see, I find <laughs> things like that lame. I think it's just because I have a really sort of weird avant garde sense of humor. I think you've got but... a very dry sense of humor, haven't yeah, you? Yeah. What made me really laugh was. Uh, when um, Peter Dinklage is the giant dwarf, they're saying, you can't stand inside the heart of a dwarf star. It'll kill you, boy. And he's like, only, he's like, you can't hold it open, you'll die. And he's like, yes, only if I die. And he's like, yes, that's, that's what, what killing, killing you, you means. <laughs> and that, the, just the way he said it, that made me laugh so much. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, it'll kill you, boy. Only if I die. Um... Yes. I quite liked the scenes with the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, people in them. So, you know, like, yeah, like all that stuff is really artist. funny because it's super dry. Like yeah. Drax. Drax yeah. is one of my Drax favorite characters is, yes. because he's just so dry. Like all that stuff where he's like, I have perfected my reflexes. I can stand perfectly still. And he's like, and then Mantis walks in and is like, hi, Drax. Hi, like, Drax. Aw. It's like, I can see you raising a peanut to your mouth, Drax. And he's like, no, I'm not. <laughs> You know, I, I love all of that stuff. I don't necessarily, I find... Like when they pick up Thor and they say, it's like how a pirate had a baby with an angel. Yeah, that sort of stuff I find funny. Things that are a bit more dry. I think with Marvel, they have several brands of humour in there and they're almost trying to cover all the basis and they don't need to be. They should just be like, well, th- this is our style. If you don't like it, fuck you. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know. I've been thinking about it. I uh, the, There have been very few moments in Marvel films that have got genuine laughs out of me and, and not just kind of like chuckles of of, of humour. Like, like <laughs> that was funny. Um, I'm thinking, see, the, the moment that sticks out for me always as like the funniest moment in any Marvel film, full stop, mm. is in uh, Avengers Assemble. Yeah. When Hulk goes to town on Loki. Oh, you mean he just picks him up by the him, feet and yeah, smashes him on the floor? Leaves him in the rubble on the floor. Yeah. And he walks yeah. and goes, puny God. And then he just. That pans. little noise he's making. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. Like he's so winded, he can't even scream. And he's just going, I went to see that with a bunch of mates when we were about 14 and I remember we just absolutely pissed ourselves. We thought it was the funniest thing ever. Yeah, it's one of those like crying laughing scenes. Yeah. <laughs> but also there's a great bit in, in the first Avengers where um, Thor and Hulk, they're like having a moment in the final battle and then he just punches him really hard like through a building just for no reason. He just yes, punches yes, Thor. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I remember laughing really hard at that. And, but I, I find the comedy somewhat has tamed over time with I've, like Infinity War yes, and Endgame. Yes, uh, and I think I think you've, it's kind of as you said they're trying to reach a broad spectrum of humour. I think as the films become bigger, they want them to be more accessible, just to make more money, basically. Yeah, and it's almost like. That's its downfall. That's probably why when things get really big, they start to taper off and get less successful because they want to be more successful. So they try and cater to everyone and catering to everyone artistically isn't always the best thing to do. It sort of creates blandness. Yes, yes, yeah. Um, But I I, I liked how they kind of created these these very nice comedic moments. But um, in... There, there were also some very dark moments. Like I think it was quite brave of Marvel as a studio to 
have that cliffhanger moment at the end of Infinity War with the snap. Yeah, I wasn't. I didn't see that coming. I don't think when they released Infinity War, they'd even announced Endgame, had they? No. I no. thought. I thought the Thanos thing would maybe just be resolved by the end of Infinity War. Yeah, but I they don't... lose, don't they? And actually, yeah. I thought that that was a you know a good twist. I didn't see it coming. I thought Thor would come along and kill him just in time. I remember the pressing question amongst the Marvel nerds before Infinity War wasn't, is Thanos going to be defeated? It was, where is the last Infinity Stone? (laughs) And that did take everybody by surprise, that very dark, very sad ending. And uh, it, it was a kind of a very humbling moment for a company that kind of prides itself on, oh, if you're the hero and you persevere, you will make it through. And it was it was like, wow, these people failed and we've lost half of the people that we love. Mm. Although it was kind of a bit of a hint that like all of the original Avengers somehow survived the snap. Yeah, yeah. I guess. <laughs> I guess. I mean... When you think about the snap, I know some of the good ones did die, but the ones basically you you really care about, the core three, like Iron Man, Thor, and Captain America, they were saved probably by just the grace of writing, weren't they? Yeah. They were like, what can we do if they don't survive, basically? It did did kind of feel like they were stretching it out over till films a la Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows a little bit, maybe? But... I feel like it had more content, though, to deal with than that. So I was okay with it being two films, to be honest. Mm. And then that that year's kind of gap in between the two, in which the only Marvel film released was uh, Captain Marvel. Yeah, that which... was also a bit of a brave move to have like like radio silence from your studio, apart from this one. For But having said that, Captain Marvel was absolute dog shine. It was, but I think on the behalf of the studio, everyone knew that they were working on something mega and that it better just be fucking fantastic. Which, you know, out of all the sort of um, series conclusions that I've seen, I think Endgame was the one that actually lived up to fan expectations, wasn't it? That is true, actually, yeah. Like, I, I did not see somebody dis- anybody dissatisfied with the film and saying, oh, they didn't, like, didn't look at this loose end or that loose end. Yeah. It, it, it was perfectly pitched and perfectly delivered what, what, what fans wanted. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it might with- just be from my point of view that I'm less emotionally involved with Marvel. I really like them, but if I say compare it to Star Wars, where... I fucking love Star Wars. I was <laughs> super disappointed by number nine. Mm. Thought it was a pile of just steaming turd. I thought Endgame, yeah, it was just a better conclusion all round. Nothing in Endgame made me think really there were any loose ends or bits I didn't like about it. And and there was also, we had a sense of achievement and a sense of loss. And that's, that's because you, you've got to have stakes. Yeah, in, you can't, in, that's the thing. You can't have victory without sacrifice almost. And that's actually, actually I liked that about Endgame because... Yes. They were they were they were brave enough to sacrifice some of their their best characters. I know that um, this year it's been the seventy fifth anniversary of the end of World War Two, isn't it? And World War Two is an ongoing theme within Marvel, you know, with Captain America and stuff. Yeah, forces of good and evil. Good and cetera, evil, cetera, and that cetera, is yeah. reflected in him. That you know there can't be victory without sacrifice. Yeah, exactly. And I like the fact, to be honest, that Captain America. Well, I like the fact that Iron Man died. As much as I was sad to see Robert Downey Jr. go, mm. you know, it was a it was a bold move, and I I respect them for that, and I like the fact they also it's a respectable move certainly, and, and they, they also executed closed, it very well. Yeah, and they also closed Captain America's saga basically with, yeah. with this film, yeah. and I respect that as well. Yeah, mm. although I do worry about 
the studio's future. Because a friend of ours, we mm. watched Endgame with a friend, didn't didn't we? Mm. Who, you know, is a media expert, and he says basically he's kind. It's like they've reached the pinnacle. He was kind of worried that these superhero films, they've reached the end of their reign of cinema, really. Yeah, like they dominated the last 10 years, but that's kind of the end of an era now. They will still have some influence, but I think they've reached their high point. Yes, I I also have that kind of premonition as well. I I can't see how they can top something like that again. Because they were working up to Endgame for the best part of nine ten years the whole infinity stone saga has been leading to that moment isn't it yeah so wherever there's been because even in iron man one like right is it right at the end of iron man one tony stark's talking to nick fury about getting the avengers together Mm. isn't he yeah so it's literally like 11 years they were working on the infinity stone saga yeah and it was a real slow burn and it's the slow burn often works out the best, and it, it it really oh it was great crackled great didn't it at the yeah, end? yeah Marvel have beautifully executed that that saga, but it leaves them with very little to continue with. Where do they now. go now? Yeah. yeah, where do you go from here? Unless they have like one of the other Marvel villains who is like considered much more powerful than Thanos ever was, like yeah. Galactus or something like that, who is literally a world eater, you know. But but I get the sense of that. You know, like if they did go down that avenue, you know, in like straight to DVD Disney sequels, where it's yeah. like, and now we have villain number two, Ursula's crazy sister. You know, I feel like you know, it would be like a bit cheap, kind of wouldn't thing. it, to have like Galactus as oh Thanos was Galactus's bitch, or you know, like yeah, to try and because what they say, what they're trying to say with Endgame is that Thanos is the biggest bad there's ever been. Which, to be honest, I don't think I really believed. Did you not? No, because I feel like there are some characters in the Marvel Universe that could have quite easily chumped Thanos in their prime. Possibly. Like, um, well, you know in like Guardians of the Galaxy 2, his dad is literally like a god in the form of a planet. Yeah, are you like, telling yeah. me that he couldn't have killed Thanos? That would, that would be quite an interesting concept, actually. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, certainly there are avenues to explore, but I just wonder if it will be executed with the same effectiveness yeah that that this is because this has been their baby for so long i am and and they don't they probably they won't want to go out on such a high and i feel that they will kind of chase these tales for a bit but i just don't think it will it, well i feel it, like they should robert downey jr i think quite clearly said you know i'm i'm pushing like 50 now i want to go out whilst I'm still respected in this role, you know, before it gets to, like, straight, you know, like... Iron Man 7. Yeah, you know, like Aladdin 3, (laughs) 4, Jafar may need glasses, you know, that sort of territory. (laughs) You you were reluctant to see a franchise that has been so successful and so um, core to to millions of children's upbringing to, to go, but everything has its natural end and its natural course. Yeah, I mean, people reminisce about how great, like, you know, music from, like, the 70s and 60s was. It doesn't mean that that was going to be there forever, does it? Things will always just move on naturally. Yes. Yeah, which is a sad note, isn't it? Yes. Shall we move on to the Quaskers? The Quaskers, yeah. It's time for the Quaskers. Academy don't know shit We 
Let's talk a little bit about the, the best in the film. So my best in film, I think, will have to go to Josh Brolin as Thanos. Oh, to be honest, I thought he was just a bit of a ham. No, he's not hammy. No, like I, I, I don't. Like I was saying, I don't think there's anything unique about Thanos. I, I, the I, I've talked about why I like Thanos already. I think he is a brilliantly executed and played out villain he has a sense of humanity and vulnerability whilst also being incredibly scary okay so there's the thanos in theory about why we like him but let's talk about the practicality of josh brolin's performance then what did you like about the performance he gave i liked how gentle he was and that is uh, something that we don't tend to get a lot with big blockbuster like superhero films is that your villains tend to be a little bit one-dimensional. Yeah. And I, I just I just liked how I don't I can't really remember a scene in which Thanos screamed out outside of like a battle or whatever. No, he didn't, did he? He never no. like lose it, lo- lost his shit. He is threatening and menacing without ever really raising his voice like uh, the the the, uh the the kind of example scene i'm thinking of is when they have nebula in that torture device and he's pulling her apart very slowly yeah not once does he raise his voice but he still gets answer and he is still menacing and loathable as shit that's true yeah yeah and I still got a certain sense and depth of his character without being given that Thanos backstory like you wanted, you know? Yeah. Like, y- y- you probably do get a sense that Thanos has this 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 world ethos because he probably came from a planet that was overpopulated was and yeah. drove itself into the ground with its overpopulation. Yeah. And that's why he's so uncompromising about what he wants to do and achieve. And and with a similar sense to with his relationship with Gamora mm. and the sacrifice that he he gives to kill Gamora in exchange for the Soul Stone, yeah, that that was depth of his character. Like I felt his sorrow, even though he is know, uh, he, sense, he is awash with the blood of millions that, of people, killing is, this one person got to him. That's a good layer to Thanos in a sense that. Obviously, to him, with his moral compass, he believes in his cause so much that because obviously he does. It seems to, in his own way, he loves Gamora, but yeah. f- for the greater good in his mind, he was prepared to, to chuck her into a, a chasm of magic to get the, the a uh, chasm the, of the magic. <laughs> yeah, to get the stone, wasn't he? Chuck you into my chasm of magic. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. So, what about your best in film? Uh, you know. I'm a little bit square when it comes to these things. The obvious people are usually always the best choice. Um, I think Robert Downey Jr. is an incredibly versatile actor when it comes to the Marvel films. Like uh, You say that, though, but is Robert Downey Jr., like you said, playing Robert Downey Jr.? The range of emotions he expresses, I feel, are genuine, even though I know he is that character and he can't be anything but that character. He's certainly grown as Iron Man over the years. Like, the Iron Man in Iron Man 1 is not the same as the Iron Man in yeah. Endgame. And his performances are always believable. When when some of the characters just seem to be like, they're exhibiting emotion B here for the benefit of the story, mm. it always feels real with Robert Downey Jr. Yes, I do get that. Like... Uh, his performance, I was indeared to, especially when he has his daughter 
and I yeah. and he 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 really took to that like Tony Stark as dad role. It became very believable well. for me, yeah, in in Endgame, yeah, and it added that sort because we've always known him as kind of a juice, a bit of a douchey playboy and i just think yeah it was a sort of final piece of the puzzle for tony Stark. it was like the final curve to his character arc that just fitted in so beautifully Mm. and he executed it i love you 3000 i thought actually and that Mm. was that was really nicely written actually i thought Mm. yeah but what Mm. what i don't like and i have beef with it is just that like as a sci-fi fan they've been struggling with it for years and then like tony stark just in an afternoon solves time travel like what, what the fuck <laughs> i knew i knew you would have beef with this being yeah. the sci-fi nerd <laughs> and mark and mark ruffalo who is a scientist but not only that he's the the physicist in yes, the group yes yes like tony stark to be a wep- a weapons maker your background is probably a mix of like engineering and chemistry and chemistry yeah. and physics but not like mostly quantum ast- physics yeah, yeah not mostly astro and quantum physics and mark ruffalo if it was going to be anyone who solved it it would have been mark ruffalo or hank pym you know but i mean that would have been nice to give the 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 time travel discovery to mark ruffalo not to tony stark yeah i know yeah because it's almost like it just solves it too easily yeah and a lot of the jargon they use in Avengers just makes me mad. With con- with like the hardcore sci-fi stuff, they they make an effort to use ideas and theories from today's science in in their writing, and it feels like in Avengers they just throw it in haphazard for the sake of it. Like how when he's making his time machine, he says like, "Oh, just make it in the shape of a Mobius strip," which mm. is a very important um, theoretical shape in dimensional physics um what is that a mobius strip is like if you get a strip of paper Mm -hmm. and then do one twist in it and put the ends back together that's a mobius strip um and if you draw a line down the mobius strip you'll eventually for some weird reason have a line on both sides of it okay it's really it's a really fucking (laughs) i'm trying to picture it in my head and i kind of yeah okay yeah so you take like you know when you make like a paper chain at school and you, you make a link in the chain yeah you you twist you it twist once. In the you do a half twist and put and put a twist in the chain before you link it together, and that's a Mobius strip. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, and and it it's been thrown around. You know, like tesseract. Yeah. Is also another very strictly scientific term for a fifth dimensional cube, which they don't really use very well in the Marvel franchise. No, it's like a thing, isn't it? It's yeah. <laughs> something that is not existing in five dimensions yeah. it's, it's a, a very, very physical thing it's a very very strictly divine thing it's it's like a a fifth dimensional cube and some would say how can you have a fifth dimensional cube i'm not a dimensional physicist you know don't don't ask me but <laughs> that's what it is and the terminology often bugs me in the marvel films but yeah going back to the tony stark thing you just like the man fucking solved time travel far too easily just like in his in his living room Mm, that's true that's true what do you think about best supporting actor um best supporting actor obviously it can't be one of the main avengers cast as a supporting actor um i always enjoy nick fury when he's on stage but then out of left field comes korg and i love korg now (laughs) i think he's just the best you like korg yeah (laughs) just so hilarious i love him he's always very enjoyable when he's on but he wasn't but the thing is he wasn't he didn't really have much of a role in these two films, did he? So no. let's just think about another one. Um, See, I was going to go for either Paul Bettany or Elizabeth Olsen. 
who are Vision and Scarlet yeah, Witch. Yeah, yeah. On a side note, I think their romance, even though it got far less screen time, was much more believable than um, Natasha and um, and the Hulk and the Hulk. And maybe I think that's because actually, have you have you ever seen? Um, there's quite a few films with Paul Bettany in them where he's quite good at doing like romance rom com stuff. Uh, he's he's just more believable at doing like developing romance, I think, than Mark Ruffalo. I and think it- he's a bit more of a seasoned actor, I think. And uh, I mean, Paul Bettany, I have loved since um, A Knight's Tale, which is like one of my favorite films, full stop yeah. ever. Much as I love Heath Ledger, he's the best thing about A Knight's he Tale, isn't he? Absolutely is. Yeah, yeah. as Jeffrey Chaucer. We walk in the garden <laughs> of, of his turbulence. turbulence. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's 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 amazing. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I show that film around Christmas time as a little treat to the year sevens. Yeah, and it must be fifteen, almost twenty years old. That film now, I guess. I think it came out in two thousand one. Two thousand one. Yeah. Yeah. They love it. They still love it. Yeah, it's, it's, still love it. It's, it's an amazing film. Yeah, with an amazing cast. And... Yeah. So yeah, but him as Vision, even though he wasn't in both of them even though both of those actors weren't in Endgame so much Elizabeth Olsen came back a little bit at the end Vision wasn't in Endgame but Vision at all, was wasn't he? in it at all but his performance yeah. really stuck with me he was a character I was sad to see go to be honest yeah and Elizabeth Olsen that her pain in Endgame I 100% got just from those very few lines in the script they gave her yeah yeah she she is um she's a, a good up-and-comer that I, I I'd like to keep an eye on I mean, Elizabeth Olsen was good. God, who would I choose as my supporting? Um, well, yeah, When whenever Drax is on screen, I just can't help but laugh. Actually, Rocket, <laughs> I think, is quite a good supporting cast member because he's just fucking hilarious as well. <laughs> yeah. you know, do you know the scene I'm thinking of? What? When uh, Tony's picking up the soul stone and he puts it in his own formed gauntlet. Yeah. And it's all a very tense moment and then just Rocket is... Boom! Boom! <laughs> and he's just like, ha, ha, ha. he's like laughing to himself, isn't he? Yeah, we were just discussing like that. That's me. That's a thing I do. Yeah, if, if yeah, if we're doing the Facebook quiz of which Marvel's Avenger are you, Thomas is one hundred percent Rocket. Yeah, yeah, I can I can see me stealing prosthetic body parts just for the fun of it. Actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What would I be? Um, in a weird way, you'd probably be like Captain America. Me? Oh, really? Yeah, I think you're a little bit resolutely moral. Uh, maybe kind of i do kind of I, I do i do kind of see that even though i said earlier in this episode that he's boring and i don't like him yeah. well no to be honest <laughs> i if, am a very boring person <laughs> if i if i had to be captain america he's like at least the second or third best avenger to be mm. he's america's ass tom he is America's <laughs> ass, yeah. God damn, that ass is great. I don't normally use Twitter at all, but I did break my rule of never using Twitter just to post a picture on the 4th of July of 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 his ass. Of America's ass. Of America's ass. Yeah, I love how that's become a thing. Yeah. <laughs> what do we think about worst in film? I always cringe when Gwyneth Paltrow's on screen, actually. I yes. feel like if Tony Stark had something to live for... It, it shouldn't was have not been Gwyneth Paltrow. It was not his relationship with Gwyneth Paltrow. My, God damn my it. head instantly also went to Gwyneth Paltrow. I think it's because you can just sense that she didn't want to be there. 
you know what? She was okay in like the first and second Iron Man films. Like she felt, I felt yeah, like she, had she a didn't genuine, have as much of an ego. <laughs> yeah, she had a genuine connection with Tony at that point, and and yeah, I don't know whether it's just got to her head that she's fucking Gwyneth Paltrow. I mean, Gwyneth, or whatever. I think Gwyneth Paltrow has quite publicly said that she doesn't really want to act anymore. She wants to. Oh really? Focus she, yeah, on her company. She wants to focus on Goop. Yeah, her hokum bullshit medicine medicine, medicine in quotation marks company. Yeah. I hate her. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just really hate her. You know, I'm reluctant to say that she's a diva because, you know... It's those, kind of those, those well-known are Hollywood, the Hollywood yeah. reports, aren't they? Mm. Apparently she's notoriously hard to work with. Mm. I mean, that I think she also had a ridiculous uh, fee as well to appear in the film and they kind of bit the bullet and paid her because she needed to be in Endgame. Yeah, yeah. She's but. just, she's, whenever she's on screen, I'm like, fucking move over. Give us time with one of the other, like, meaningful female they characters. Could, they could literally have killed off Pepper and say she died of, like, you know, Disney disease and just had Tony's tied to, to Morgan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there we go. You don't have to have Gwyneth Paltrow anymore. <laughs> that would have made the stakes more interesting for him that he needs to survive for his daughter and being an only parent. And for that end scene when Tony's dying, just have Tom Holland there because like Spider-Man was his like surrogate son, wasn't he? Uh, yeah, you say that, but there was a genuine connection there. But even for me, that was like, God, it's wasted on Tom Holland. Like, what the fuck is the point? <laughs> I will not hear any Tom Holland bashing in my you know, house. You know what was really surprising? We looked at the list of Rotten Tomatoes' highest rated um, Marvel, Marvel films, films, didn't we? Mm. Spider-Man Homecoming, yeah, that was a decent one. But then really quite high up the list, a lot higher than it should have been, was the second Spider-Man film. What was it called? Far From Home. Far From Home. And I was mm. like, God, that was that was fucking like run-of-the-mill trash. It was all right, wasn't it? Like, I don't think it really deserved to be in like the top five of the best Rotten Tomatoes no, Marvel no, films. No, it was fine. Like, I kind of enjoyed it because I liked seeing Marvel outside of New York City and go to yeah. like Venice and like, fucking Prague. Marvel. And... The, the superheroes are meant to represent the entire world. Do you know that? <laughs> Why like... does nothing else happen outside of New York? Yeah. Do you know that Europe exists? <laughs> oh, I did appreciate that they had a very brief scene in uh, Scotland, and they didn't specify. You know what was fucking stupid when <laughs> yes, they did that? Yeah, yeah. Like they just subtitled it as Scotland, you- and that sort of led me like le- leads the audience to believe they're in some really small Scottish town somewhere, like trying to lay low in yeah. the Highlands. But for people who don't know. That's Edinburgh. It's the capital city yeah. of Scotland. It's one of the biggest cities in the UK. It's a big it's a big city. It's got like probably over like I don't know like a million inhabitants. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but they do sometimes throw in like a token other location outside of New York. But I just feel like yeah, the like director, Vienna or something. Yeah, uh, but I, just, I reckon the director just has this sadistic need to want to destroy New York because he flunked as a dancer when he left Juilliard or something. I don't know. Well, the, prob- <laughs> the, the problem is, it's it's only as good as the writers, and the fact is, the comics are made by Americans, aren't they? That is true. Yeah. So the in the early days, they would have been sold to American audiences, so they would have been set in American locations to make it sell. It's probably as simple as that. That's true. That's true. I did also appreciate uh, Norway featuring briefly as well for the uh, for the for the natural yeah, home like of that. the Asgardians. Yeah, yeah. because if uh, the, you know the Asgardians are basically refugees, aren't they? At this mm. point, and if anyone was going to take in the Asgardians, it would have been 
the Norwegians one or of the, the Icelandics yeah. or, you know, one of these. Yeah, absolutely. So I thought that was quite nice. Yeah. Mm. So that about wraps up our review of Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame. Yeah, yeah. What what titans of cinema these are, really. Mm. That'll be eight hours of your life that you'll never get back watching them again. Well, it's certainly <laughs> about six, isn't it? I think they're about yeah. three hours each. Yeah. yeah. They need like a proper kind of Lord of the Rings extended cut version of, of an Infinity War Endgame. And you know what? The nerds would eat it up. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, they would. Yeah, I'd I'd sit down and watch a director's cut of those. <laughs> you know, uh, bef- before we finish, what is an honourable mention for, for worst in film, even though he wasn't bad, I just laugh every time I hear it, and that's Peter Dinklage's uh, English accent. It's like, <laughs> oh, you were, were supposed to protect us. And it's like, oh, God, he's still running with that. No one believed it in Game of Thrones, Peter. No one believes it now. <laughs> we love you and you're a great actor. But yeah, just, just, yeah, yeah. just talk in your normal accent, mate. It's yeah, fine. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, if you would like to find us, we are on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter under the handle Squabblings. That is S-Q-U-A-B-L-I-N-G-S. And you know it, motherfuckers. <laughs> oh, Nick Fury's just walked into the room. <laughs> <laughs> I've had it with these motherfucking Instagram handles. <laughs> on this motherfucking platform. Yeah. <laughs> And where should they email us if they would like to recommend a future episode like Graham did? It's squabblingspodcast at gmail.com, isn't it? It is indeed. Mm. So, we will see you all very soon for another episode of Squabblings. Squabblings. Goodbye!